0: Listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Chumash and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey, y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine the busiest mixed-race bisexual polyamorous atheist comic book nerd cat mom mask making gulf coast cosmos comic book co-owning asian american podcasters association's golden crane award-winning podcaster (laughs) in this podcasting game this is episode 129 and i can definitely definitely say with complete honesty that Making the decision to take a six month hiatus from Blurred Comics and go to a bi-weekly schedule for Militantly Mixed has been a tremendous relief. I was bummed out when I made the decision and I, I realize now that I have just put a self-imposed burden to achieve a certain level of functionality across all the things that I'm doing, my day job, my companies the podcasting, all that kind of stuff, and expecting that I'm supposed to perform at some sort of superhuman level that really just isn't reasonable for anybody. But like I said, it's self-imposed. I did it to myself and I was stressing out. But ever since I made the decision, well, let's say a couple days after I made the decision, when I realized I had a little bit of a breather, I've still been really busy, but at a more doable, attainable level, it it has been a relief. So I do think this was the right decision. And I am a whole different Charmaine today than I was even a week ago in terms of my level of stress. So I hope you all will be okay with this biweekly schedule for a little while, but it has been a tremendous help to have that little bit of a breather you know, it, it just really has. Uh, I'm just in a way better mental health space today than I was even a week ago in making this decision. So it, it really worked out for me. A couple of announcements before we get into today's episode. I'm really excited about today's episode. This was, this is an interview I did uh, back in January and I've been dreaming about sharing it ever since we recorded it because it was so therapeutic. But before we do that, I have a couple of announcements. Uh, The first one is that I'm going to be a guest, or I was a guest, on a new podcast called Willing to Learn, hosted by Ashley Dominguez. Uh, She is a research scholar and she is doing a weekly podcast that has to do with sort of learning or unlearning quote unquote truths about different areas. And each week she'll have a different guest that is sort of known for something and us talking about the myths or the untruths related to that thing, the stereotypes, and sort of unlearning those things and learning what actually would work out. So obviously, I talked about mixedness. Um, I am going to be the second guest on her show, and I believe it's on all the podcatchers. I was able to listen to her first episode on iTunes. So you can check it out. Willing to Learn, hosted by Ashley Dominguez. And I believe my episode drops on March 10th. So check that out. And then I started highlighting different content creators for Mixedness because I want you all to know that there are many other places to get your mixed ass life outside of Militantly Mixed. These are not advertisements. I just want to highlight that I'm not being paid to do this, nor do these people necessarily know that I'm highlighting them unless they listen to the show. Uh, but these are folks right now, they're folks that I have interacted with because I know their stuff more um, over time. When I run out of people that I've interacted with, I'll start highlighting other mixed things that I'm looking for and looking up. But for now, these are all people that I've interacted with in some way, shape or form in mixedness. And I want to share their content or their products or whatever. This one is Mixed Up Clothing, who you first heard about on Militantly Mixed back in 2018 from episode 8, when I still didn't even have my mixed, like, my Militantly Mixed voice yet. Founded by Sonia Smith Kang, Mixed Up Clothing, this is the mission, is more than creating gorgeous multicultural children's apparel. We're dedicated to sharing the vibrant cultures of the world and creating a space where multiculturalism is highlighted and diversity is celebrated. So predominantly, it is a children's apparel line, but uh, they do have some t-shirts for adults. And she also has medical face masks, which is sort of what inspired me to start making my masks, I'll be honest. She's also the president of Mask M-A-S-C, which technically stands for Multiracial Americans of Southern California, but has since grown to be just sort of Mask across the board. It is a organization for mixed race families. Uh, Before COVID, they were doing a lot of events out in the world for mixed race families, including multiracial Santa Claus for Christmas time, um, or various cultural holidays for various ethnic groups they would celebrate in sort of a mixed fashion. Mask was also responsible or big part of the reason why we have the two or more box now instead of check one only for ethnicity and race. Um, They did a lot of work for that of like 10, 20 years ago, I think. And they were also responsible for getting us a mixed day, affinity day at Dodger Stadium. So check out Mixed Up Clothing. The link is in the show notes, but it is just mixedupclothing.com. Sonia is one of those go-to mix folks that I reach out to when I need to bounce ideas off of. Uh, So I am super excited to be able to share her company because I think it's dope and I want you all to check it out and hopefully you can dress up your little mixed kiddos in in some cool mixed up gear. Is that all the stuff I need to talk about? I think so. Let's get into today's episode. You already know that this is a fan-sponsored show and with Patreon, that's how we keep it going. The link to that is in the show notes. I'm not going to give you the pitch for it today because I want to get into today's episode. I've been thinking about this episode ever since we recorded uh, back in January. And uh, it's just one of those that was kind of really super therapeutic. A lot of the episodes are like that. But every now and then it's when someone's kind of mixed closer to your mix or there's something very significant that you both experience. Those ones become super therapeutic. And that's kind of how this one was. Um, My guest today is Tai Fujimura. He is a CEO of his own web design company called Cantilever, but he also is a podcast host of a soccer-based show called We the Peeps, which he co-hosts with his brother, Clayton. They mostly cover U.S. men's soccer, but also sometimes U.S. women's soccer or general soccer podcasts. We got to commiserate a little bit about podcasting (laughs) and sort of what we hope and dream to be able to turn this into our full-time, but you know, we have very niche podcasts, so we got to commiserate about that a little bit. We got to commiserate about hair spikiness as fellow mixed Japanese. And there's at least one thing I need to correct that we talked about in the show that I was completely wrong about when we recorded it. And I had to sense look it up just to make sure of what it was. At one point we bring up or I bring up the basketball player Ryu Hachimura, who is black and Japanese from Japan was drafted, the very first person drafted from Japan into the NBA. And for some reason, I thought he was drafted onto the Lakers, but he's actually on the Wizards. So that's what I say incorrectly. I say that he's in the Lakers. And I realize now that the reason why I thought that is because he was in LA going to be going to a restaurant down the street from my house and a bunch of people in this Japanese American group I'm in, social group I'm in. We're talking about it. And so I guess I thought he was here in LA because he was, he had just gotten drafted into the Lakers, but I was incorrect about that. So I just want to correct that because I don't correct it in the show. I have wrong information in the actual recording. Um, but this was a great episode. We really got to, to talk. I got to see a different perspective of what it's like to be a mixed Japanese who, who, Gets to sit fairly comfortably in both his Japanese identity and his white identity. He's a father and he's raising a couple of mixed kids himself. So we got to talk about a lot of things and it was just, it was just a really great conversation. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. I I really enjoyed it and I can't wait to share it with y'all. So sit back. Enjoy this week's episode. And the next time you'll hear from me will be March 23rd. And by that time... I should be fully vaccinated because my number two shot is on the 18th, so I can give you all an update then on how I'm feeling and how I weathered the, the second dose. So, without further ado, please join me in welcoming our latest Itoko to the Militarily Mixed family. Itoko is cousin in Japanese. Hi, Fujimura. Well, thank you for postponing because I had that crazy ass like period of two weeks that everything fell apart for me. Not,
1: so not a problem.
0: You coming to uh, you know, reschedule with me, but I'm excited to get a chance to talk to you because we met in a way that is like weird. We were on an award show together. We, we were both mixed Asians. So we were like, hey. It's, let's do this.
1: It's a very 2020 way to meet someone. <laughs> I guess great. was that 2021 or I, it was around the New Year.
0: It was around, um, it, yeah, it was like right after Christmas, right before the New Year.
1: Yeah, so yeah. Was, and you, you awesome. mentioned that you're half Japanese and I'm half Japanese as well, yeah. and so, uh, you know, naturally we, we get to uh, talking I'm born. and, I, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a pleasure to to connect. Um, so, I, I, would you like me to introduce yeah, myself let's, briefly? Let's, okay, uh, so introduce yourself and let's get into it. I'm Tai Fujimura. I am, as I mentioned, a half Japanese and half white American person, human being. <laughs> uh, I am most importantly a dad. I'm, I have two kids. They're ages six and nine. They're both in virtual school. So uh, consequently, I now have a job as a virtual school assistant teacher,
0: assistant
1: teacher. Uh, which is about half my day right now. And in in my my, uh, spare time, I'm the CEO of a web design company, which is called Cantilever. And we work with all sorts of companies to build great websites for them and help them do more of whatever they're trying to do on the web. And I also host a podcast, which is why I was at this award ceremony, Mm -hmm. which is called We the Peeps. And we are uh, primarily about the US men's national soccer team. We also have a, a long running segment where we cover the women's national team as well and uh, we have interviews we do game previews and recaps we've been going for about six years coming up on six years i think and uh, it's been just a tremendous experience i've always i always kind of thought of being a sports journalist but it's like kind of a tough way to make a living (laughs) so i i just kind of get to pretend that i'm you know doing my my dream job when i when i uh you know hit the mic. And That's I've what's to awesome go to games about and podcasting, all that
0: stuff. right? Like, oh, yeah, I just get yeah. to be an expert all of a sudden about something because you press right. The board.
1: Well, what's funny about it is, like, we started the show with the conceit. I do it with my brother. My brother's uh, is a, a he's also a musician, and so he's great with audio editing. Awesome. And so, by the way, if you need a po- podcast editor, We'll, we'll connect as
0: soon as i get those ducats i'm gonna start
1: <laughs> yep uh so so anyway so we, we do the show and originally the conceit was that i've been a, a longtime fan so i've been a fan for you know a decade or more of the u.s men's team and my brother was just kind of getting into it so originally it was like this will be fun i'll kind of talk you through stuff you know you can speak to it from an outsider perspective, and then 160 episodes later, now he is a total expert, and he knows like <laughs> he knows all the you know U15 standouts and all this stuff, and it's and so you you do actually become an expert. <laughs> uh, you kind of fake it till you make it, right? Uh, but but the yeah, it's been just so fun, so fulfilling. Uh, it's you know I've never made a dime off it. And I wouldn't give it up for the world. So even right? even in, in COVID, like we were doing shows, we would like, watch old games, because there's oh, like these fun. repositories you can you can find with the old grainy VHS footage of the, <laughs> you know, we watched like the 1994 World Cup and stuff like that. And, um, and talked about those games, you know, so we had this like, urge to do it, even when there were no actual games to talk about. Right. Um, that's how, how much it's become a, a, a part of our lives and something that we, you know, really, really uh, enjoy. And yeah. it gives us a great opportunity to, you know, just catch up. We're, we're always, uh, you know, we're, we're busy. So it's good to have the, that excuse. We end up on the phone uh, frequently and just able to, you know, shoot the shit. And
0: yeah.
1: it's also, it's opened up a lot of opportunities to talk to really cool people. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you've you've mm-hmm. had this feeling as well. It's it it, it opens doors and uh, and it's been a really special experience. So
0: yeah, I love it. That's I I really feel like um, I stole this from one of my guests, but they referred to them writing about their mixed race identity as medicine, like doing this work as medicine, and. I feel like the show has become medicine to me because I do take a mental health break every 3 months. I I work for 3 months and then I take a month off or like That's this, right.
1: I remember. Yeah. absorbing
0: those stories, but I miss it during that time. I feel like I need it. To, I need to come back to it, but I need to take that break also. But right. doing this and getting a chance to speak to people like us, mixed folks from all over, it has become this thing of like I this is a thing I need. I don't know how, what life's going to be like if podcasts stop being a thing. You know, am I just going to yeah. randomly go on the internet and call up people and be like, can you tell me about your mixes? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to need some something if this goes away. So, yeah. Right, I, right, right. I would love to make money doing this. But for now, like, you know, a couple of little... That's that's, that's
1: going to happen. That's yeah, happen. like
0: one day, you it's know. fine.
1: It's, it's a lot of work. You know, it's a lot of... Um, equity building
0: mm-hmm. and we were talking earlier before we before we press record about sort of like how difficult it is to to get that neat like you see people get on tiktok or on youtube and they just blow what we perceive as they just blow up but right um right, right, right. and we're just like you know we're not we're not quite there yet but for me i noticed, um you know you've been doing your show for six years i for me it's the, the like the one year mark i suddenly had a big jump and then I I leveled out. And then at the like two and a half year mark, all of a sudden I had like a huge jump and I'm like, where the hell have you been? (laughs) And, um, you know, now I'm having a little bit more steady growth, but even that, like, it's not like the, it's not like I'm pulling Rogan numbers or anything like that. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very talking to a very niche population, but it's tough. Like it's, it's a weird grind. It's a grind I love to do, but it's a weird one.
1: Right. Right. Well, it's a, it is a niche, um, but it is, it is a very, Rapidly growing niche, and mm-hmm. it's, I think, uh, a big sort of artifact of our time is is the emergence of mixedness as a thing, mm-hmm. because I think we've been a lot more of an anomaly previously, right. uh, prior prior to like air travel
0: <laughs> and <laughs> the
1: ability <laughs> for people to immigrate a little bit more easily. Right. Um, the 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 uh presence of uh mixedness as a category is mm-hmm. is unique and and I think challenging to people in the establishment right. and uh <laughs> challenging on on government forms sometimes and things right. like that where like the thing you are isn't really a choice
0: um or like but, you identify with an ethnic group but they say race and you're like i know that this isn't a race they're gonna make right you, oops, click there's this yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah yeah there's there's a lot of uh a lot of you know nuances like that that don't come through the generalized mainstream. Like, you know, I, I think there's been a lot of very good movement lately in like adding more options to that gender drop down, sure. you know, uh, which is a positive. And, and I think there's there is now similar movement when it comes to recognizing um, the the plethora of different backgrounds right. that that we all have and, you know, helping everyone feel accepted.
0: So growing up, What did you understand about your, the fact that your parents were two different things and you were what you were?
1: Oh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very interesting. I grew up in New York, so I was in New York City, most of my upbringing. And I never really felt othered
0: for being mixed. Yeah, you're in New York. Yeah
1: yeah, which I and I was I was reflecting on this quite a bit, because I was listening to your show and you know preparing to talk to you. and um, i I was thinking that's probably unique,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? because it is. because of the circumstances. And so I, I feel lucky, you know, in retrospect, um, I always felt like it was it was sort of an abundance rather than a a shortcoming.
0: Ah, I love that
1: you said that. You know what I mean. I don't
0: hear that often, and I just it makes me so happy when people (laughs) think like mixed isn't less; it's more, or could be. That's right. More.
1: That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, and I I think it was it was cool having, um, you know, very different family on on both sides, and having very different cultural experiences and access to a lot of different things. So, and I always, um, I, I think I always felt accepted to an extent in, in the, the most Asian spaces, uh, which in New York generally centers around, uh, Chinese people in Chinatown. And I had a lot of Chinese friends and I I spent a lot of time in literally in Chinatown hanging out. And I I always felt okay. You know, I didn't, I never felt like I was, um, considered anything, anything but Asian. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also Asian
0: versus Japanese, like Versus
1: Asian versus Japanese, Japanese which is kind of yeah right. And to to briefly dig in on that, it took me until I was like, you know, high school and college age to realize that oh, actually being Japanese is a, in in and of itself is a little bit of an aggression when it it comes to Chinese people and Korean sure. people and yeah. uh, and other um, Asian folks who have experienced a lot of shitty behavior and treatment by the hands of the Japanese. So right. I look back on that and it's a, that that really amazes me. That um, you know, I'm, I'm a, a student of history, and uh, I think uh, I, I watch and read a lot about uh, about you know World War II and, and mm-hmm. events like that. And thinking that within two generations, you have the children. You know, I, I'm I'm mixed, so right, I represent both sides of World War II. Right, and I'm hanging out with Chinese kids and Korean kids <laughs> and black kids and Puerto Rican kids, it's, it's kind of mind boggling yeah, that it that all kind of pretty worked and that like there, you know, there's always, um, there's always awkwardness and there's always moments where you, you notice, right. But there's after a certain amount of time, it, you just, it, it fades away. Mm. And that's a really beautiful thing when you can get to that point.
0: So you didn't really deal with too much, like on the schoolyard of people's like, you're not Asian, you're not white. You're not. You didn't get that too often.
1: I, I can't say. I think I've the the most uh, kind of like crappy comments that I got were just about being Asian. You know, okay. it wasn't. So I think I was generally recognized as being Asian. Right. Um. But I'm uh. I I was always very like fluent in white spaces.
0: <laughs> That's a good way of saying a, it.
1: A, very very able to um very able to navigate sure. right so so I've always I've, I've been in a lot of situations where I noticed like oh I'm the only person of color in this room I'm the only person of color in this conversation whatever it is and that never really felt weird to me until I noticed it mm-hmm. because I think I adapt very well to you know mainstream white culture
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: from which just makes sense
0: yeah um, a lot
1: of it. so it's yeah so, you know, I, I've, I've gotten the, the occasional like ignorant comment about Japanese people or Asian people, especially because I, I identified very strongly as Asian in, mm-hmm. in high school. So I very much like leaned into my, my Asian identity. Um, and, and, and really, really like explored that, felt that, you know, I was in the, in the Asian club and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And, and, uh, and that was very valuable, very important and meaningful for me. Um. So, but yeah, what was the original question? <laughs> was my experience? Well, it, it, it was
0: really about just sort of because um, you mentioned listening to other other episodes and also thinking about where you grew up, how you do, you know, you have a little bit more just like ease in your mixes because you're around a bunch of people that might be mixed or just might be from different, you know, ethnic groups. Right. There's like right, right. a lot of people who are just not in this diverse of a space. Completely. So completely. Yeah. They really, really struggle. But when yes, you either get yes. to blend in all the way and whatever it is that you identify with the most, or you get to be mixed because you got a whole bunch of different people around you. Um, I was just curious, I guess, about like how... Well, I mean, you answered it. You said, you know, you mostly identified as Asian in high school. So that allowed you to maneuver that way. And so right, you're right, probably right. getting any any school year bullying you're getting is Asian, not mixed or not. Exactly. You're exactly. not enough yeah. of. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One one funny thing there is uh, I think I, I never got much of it, uh, as I said, but my my mom being a white lady um, with a bunch of Asian kids got comments I know she like, she, like she adopted like,
0: you all or? yes okay.
1: precisely precisely so
0: it's so weird that I could just pull that out you just
1: nailed it like yeah that. you just oh, yeah, yeah yeah you just it
0: seems to happen a lot
1: picked out what ignorant people would say <laughs> um, so so you know I I feel like she being you know fully Caucasian in an Asian family mm-hmm. probably felt it the most. Yeah, probably felt felt the mixedness of our family the most, uh, especially, you know, I was born in Japan. So she lived in Japan for a long time okay. um, when we were there. And, you know, in Japan, white people stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. It's an incredibly homogenous culture.
0: It's, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, it, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. It, you know, especially like coming from a place like New York that's so pluralistic i i love japan I've, I've been back uh twice i haven't been since i was a, a high schooler um but it's it's an incredible incredible place filled with really amazing art and and culture and food and oh my god so like technology and yet it's one of the most homogenous places on the planet on
0: the planet it's an yeah.
1: it's an island you know where where fitting in is one of the main cultural values mm-hmm. you know so yeah. I think I think that that aspect of of you know living there was probably uh a big challenge for her, um, but it might also you know, be
0: why you're able to assimilate to whatever group you're in fairly well, like if you happen to be around a lot of white people i'm gonna I'm gonna be fluent in white right now or something because you're you were trained in the culture that tells you not to stick out.
1: Yeah, yep yeah, and i have I have you know I was only there for four years um until I was age four and my uh my community there was mainly a church based community that was american centric okay so i did i did spend time with japanese kids um but i i also had something of an american uh heritage in that sense as well however i always still notice these things about being japanese that just come up in me about my, my mentality and my attitude towards, towards, you know, towards duty and towards doing the right thing. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's tough for me to explain them in any other way, you know,
0: except for just, uh, just going to go, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause I and, get instantly deferential if I'm around like older Japanese right, or even right, just right. generally older Asians, right. because I kind of go into my Japanese behaviors when I'm around mm-hmm, other Asians mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. Um, things that I yeah. don't do around older white people.
1: Interesting, interesting. It's yeah, it's, it's such a it's a, a difficult formula to break down to understand the, the sort of origin of your, um, your reactions to situations. But I think, I don't know, that's part of the fun of being mixed is figuring all that out. And it, and it you know, everybody does, everybody does, yeah. right? So but we, we just have a particular um, uh, blueprint that hasn't necessarily been fleshed out yet by by that many people, which is kind of a cool opportunity.
0: So is your father a, a Nihonjin, Nihonjin, or is he like American born, but went over there because military? What is the circumstance that has your parents?
1: So yeah, he has a very interesting story because he was actually born in the US. His father uh, was a scientist, he's a linguist. Okay. So uh, his father and their family traveled around quite a bit when he was young. So his father was teaching in MIT at the time. And so uh, he was born in Boston. And then his family moved around. They lived in Sweden among, I think, a handful of other places before eventually going back to Japan. Mm -hmm. And he didn't, my father didn't come back to the U.S. until he was in high school. So my father basically spent, you know, a year or two here, uh, spent most of elementary school in Japan and then spent um, most of high school in the U.S. So he's, he, and I was born in Japan. Because my parents so went won- Yeah. So <laughs> my parents met in college in the US and then they moved back to Japan because my father got a scholarship to the national art school oh, there. Okay. And he's a painter. And so they went to take the scholarship. And so I was born there. So my my I'm the immigrant. My father was born here. So he's technically first generation. And then I <laughs> I don't know how that right. works. It's so so-
0: <laughs> like trying to map that out, g- given that it is so important to us as a community to feel like what kind of Japanese
1: exactly, you, exactly that's a that,
0: weird thing that we ask. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right. And I I remember actually I had never thought about this until this very moment. But there was a, a another Japanese uh, student in in middle school who was a classmate of mine, and she did a class project about um, the different uh, names for different generations of. Uh, mm-hmm of japanese nisei isei and so on mm-hmm. and i remember looking at it and going like i'm not any of those <laughs> like i don't know what i am you're
0: kind of isei but kind of not because your parents
1: i was born there
0: you're born there so yeah being
1: so i have i have like a second generation mentality
0: yes
1: but that i was I, I wasn't born oh. here
0: I need to talk way more about this, but I don't. I need to process this. It's so crazy. Um, so one of the things that happens when I do get a chance to speak to other mixed Japanese is also asking the question, "What kind of Japanese?" Because for us that are here in America, are we American internment, post internment Japanese, right, or right, are we, of course, um, of course. Im- you know, immigrants? Yes. And yes. in my case, my family is my grandmother immigrated here. She married an American and came here. Um, mm. And in your case. Wow. Okay. So your, your father's parents are Japanese from Japan though.
1: Yes. That's and then right. Going, came. going back h- hundreds of years Ooh, in, in it's their crazy. history.
0: That's interesting. So, I would love to figure out what name they would come up for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's Is right. In your that's right.
0: That, that's kind of awesome. I,
1: but yeah, I, I, it's interesting. You mentioned the internment camps because I, you know, obviously that's a very, um, very powerful aspect of Japanese American history, mm-hmm. but I feel disconnected from it, So do I, because it, my my ancestors weren't really directly affected. And but that makes me feel odd, because obviously, yes. I feel very sympathetic. Right. And, uh, and I claim that I claim their japanese uh, mm-hmm. and I share their japanese And so I, I feel a kinship with with them in that experience. Um, but I, then I start to feel kind of phony. Because right. I don't really come from that, so um, man, it's, it's so complicated. So it complicated. Is. But
0: I, I think in particular, like I think other other Asians that have emigrated to the states and are genera- generationally here, they don't have anything kind quite like what we have as japanese because not hmm. only do we have we have different waves of immigration right we have we have yes we were yes. here during the the railroads too it wasn't entirely yep, chinese yep. but it gold was. rush gold rush japanese totally. we um japanese got to be white earlier you know didn't they know that white for a
1: while. nice all right uh,
0: so they actually kind of come <laughs> here white and uh-huh. then when they started to not like the Chinese being here too much, because right, clothes, right, like, right, "Oh, right. you kind of yeah. look like them to us," so now you get to be this other yeah. category.
1: Now we have a category, right? For you. And yeah. so up
0: until then, Japanese could be a lot more successful here in the United States before that that level of racism that was connected to Chinese. And then, you know, we have generational Japanese here in the states, and then we have internment, and anybody like us whose family comes after we bear some of the hmm. systemic things that are left over from the internment generations, but we don't connect ourselves to that. And also like my grandmother, I I, I went to this internment acknowledgement thing when I was um, like 19 and I bought this book and, you know, I was just trying to support the tribe. Right. And I come home and I show my grandmother the thing cause she didn't want to go with me. And I just thought, Oh, she's World War II generation. Of course she wouldn't want to go. Right. I'm thinking about, trauma reliving trauma right. is the reason why right. she didn't want to go after I'm showing her the book she goes why did you buy this and I was like well you know I wanted to support and share and stuff and she goes but we're, they're not like us and I'm like well, what do you mean you know I didn't understand and it took years to understand this Japanese in Japan are Japanese Japanese that leave Japan or wherever they go to. They're not Japanese anymore because of the nationalistic thing. And so my grandmother viewed herself as an American because she immigrated to America. She left Japan behind. But she had this weird posturing about like they left long before. They are really not Japanese. Right. She's she's still kind of Japanese because she grew up there but Mm. they aren't like me at all. Mm -hmm. So she Mm. couldn't relate to them, but also it almost seemed like she couldn't extend empathy Mm -hmm. (laughs) to that, to that kind of Japanese, which was so bizarre to me because I didn't understand the concept of like that nationalistic version of Japanese versus like cultural and ethnic Japanese. Right. So then you and I come here, however, whatever generation position we're in, when we interact with other Japanese, we do need to understand because that helps us decide how we have conversations as That's right. Japanese. That's right. That's right. If you're a post-interment yeah. or if you're an immigrant or you're yeah, this yeah. descendant of immigrants, this is how we have to talk to you now.
1: Yes. And it's yes, yes.
0: so unique, I think, specifically to Japanese.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, I think people. you're right. I think you're right. I think yeah, it's probably a consequence of Japanese society being so homogenous that the, every society finds ways to differentiate and to mm-hmm. classify and to, uh, to make some people better and some people worse. And often it's, uh, it's, uh, imperceptible to the outside world, why there would be these, these distinctions in the society, but mm-hmm. people find a way it's, it's, it seems to be kind of a human instinct, uh, which is, which is nasty, uh, and, and needs to be, uh, you know, uh, dealt with but should should also be acknowledged you know if that if that's something that that we're going to face and i think you know when I, when I visited japan i i know we get looks i know it's we we're definitely not uh embraced at, at just as you know normal yeah. japanese folks and i we don't speak the language my my siblings and i mm-hmm. as well um so you know we always have felt very um uh, very spiritually kind of connected, but, but disconnected in, in sort of pragmatic ways. Yeah. Um,
0: that's a whole thing
1: <laughs> and it's a whole, thing. It's and I, a whole I, thing. I wanted to mention to you, um, that I, I saw, cause I was reflecting on all my, you know, mixed race experiences <laughs> and I have this dream that comes up for me regularly mm-hmm. where I am trying to get to the airport I'm always going to Japan and I something is always happening that's just preventing me from getting to the airport. Mm. So I will like pack my bag and then I'm waiting for the train and the train doesn't come and I'm looking at my watch. I've got Mm. like an hour until my flight. Or like I get like almost there and I realize like, oh, I don't have my phone or I don't have my passport. Or uh I forgot my luggage or mm. like any number of these wacky circumstances where like I'm within sight. Like I've mm. gotten to the point even where I'm like in the tunnel watching the plane, you know, drift off <laughs> into the <laughs> oh, no. into the onto the runway. And I was listening to your show. Um I'm sorry, I forgot the guest's name, but you were talking about mourning the loss of your 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 identity, of your of your racial identity.
0: That was probably and, Sidra.
1: Yeah and that was a really beautiful um statement i realized like that's that's what i've been going through there
0: mm-hmm.
1: is uh is trying to reconcile the feeling of belonging somewhere yet not being an insider there yeah
0: yeah it hurt it's a weird like it seems one of those things that you want to say it's not that big a deal. Like you want to think of it, it's not a big that big a deal, but it feels heavy. It feels similar to grief. It to me,
1: right, right, right. And I, I think that um, that word grief is much more universally applicable than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. And I've had experiences in my life where I've, I have been told, uh, been it's been illuminated to me through therapy that. <laughs> I'm going through a grieving process. Mm -hmm. And that's a very powerful thing when you, you isolate, you know, I've always isolated that to, to death, but there are many different kinds of, of ending things, things ending or things, things, um, you know, never, never going to be quite resolved, maybe the way that you would like. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, process of grief can map directly to those things. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a very apt word and something that, uh, you know, mixed people who are struggling with their, Identity might want to think about is yeah. if they've been in that kind of grieving process, and and maybe that can illuminate some things that help uh, light the way. But my yeah. m- my my stages of grief, you know, <laughs> eventually in in my stages of this grief, I've uh, come to a place. Actually, it's not it's not that linear. It's more accurate to say I have always consciously or subconsciously reacted to the. Mystery of mixedness mm-hmm. by leaning very, very hard into being american, and oh, really so for How me do you do for that? me, so for me <laughs> america America has always represented maybe because I grew up in New York, but it's always represented a a place where where mixedness can flourish right okay. so and, and not just mixedness but but anything that that in in theory, this is a place where everyone can be accepted and uplifted and can reach their potential. Mm-hmm. And we know very well that that's not true in practice mm-hmm. and there are deep flaws in our, our system. Uh, but I, I still believe so deeply in the idea of America, despite everything, despite all the, the shit the
0: ideal of it, not necessarily the,
1: yeah. And oh, yeah. in, and in the, and in the potential future of it, And I and so I have always felt extremely patriotic uh, about about America. And that's one that's one reason why I do this podcast that's about the U.S. men's national team, because it's a way to celebrate Americanism in a form that is uh, substantially less toxic than most of the Americanism that we uh, (laughs) that we inflict on others.
0: Olympics. What what happens during the Olympics? How how did, how does how does mixed tie celebrate the Olympics?
1: Well, I'm I'm very much America first. Okay. You know, I'm a, I'm a big yeah. Anytime the U.S. is is in a sporting uh, circumstance, I'm in, and. Um, I always I always do pay attention to Japanese athletes as well. Okay. Uh and you know in the World Cup certainly when when the US is out the the Japan team is is my team. In the last World Cup actually the US team didn't even qualify. So my my brother and I he, we talked about this on our show but we we had the f- really unique experience of following the Japanese team as our first team uh during during the World Cup and really like getting to know it and mm-hmm. eventually getting angry at all of the mistakes that they made in the last <laughs> game and things like that. So we, we, you know, became some more of uh, Japan fans at that point, okay. which is really cool. But uh, it, and then another aspect with athletics is that I'm a, I'm a big sports fan in general. So whenever there's a, a Japanese athlete in particular or an Asian athlete in general doing well in American sports, that's really exciting. meaningful to me and yeah. exciting. In an irrational
0: way, like even for, but I, for sports, I don't watch if I find out like right now there's and I forget his name. I'm so mad at myself, but there's a half black, half Japanese from Japan player on the Lakers.
1: Oh, Hachimura. Is it?
0: Yes, that's yes.
1: It. He went and to the I'm Lakers? Like, oh, wow. I think breaking news.
0: Maybe, maybe he's not anymore. <laughs> okay, but okay. I think there was a period of time he was here. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. and, um, I'm in this Japanese American group, uh, like social group. And that was where the first time I started seeing like older Japanese saying, he's tall. I'll allow him to marry my daughter, even though he's black, even though Kokoji. And I was like, whoa, like this is where I started to feel really weird about the group I was in because the height trumped the ethnicity for them yeah yeah it was this weird thing of like because he's tall and he's here in la i'll let him marry my daughter
1: right yeah Blackness is bad, but we have these other but, good well, we qualities other good that we can qualities. balance it out. Yeah, and that's it was fucked so up. It's so
0: weird, but because, because I found out that there was a black and Japanese player, I got excited because I'm a black and Japanese, so I was just like, oh, yay. I don't watch basketball. I haven't watched basketball in a long time. So, <laughs> but,
1: but representation matters. It you does. Know? And, and he, he, hey, we have a, a black and Asian person who is the vice president of the United States right now.
0: Exactly.
1: Which is exactly. insane. And that is that that really is going to mean something to a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I think it's it's profoundly good. I know that like professional athletics is not necessarily the zenith of society and what we should all aim to aspire to. But I like we'll I do one. I do see it as as a um, symptom of a certain amount of discrimination. Mm-hmm. That there are not more Asian athletes who who reach the top level of American sports, sure. and I think the primarily the reason for that is that at, at the youth team levels, when you're going through the ranks, um, the coaches are primed to look for certain stereotypes of who's going mm-hmm. to be successful. Mm-hmm. So when you're picking, you know, kids for the the middle school basketball team and who's yeah. going to get the minutes and who's going to start, you're going to pick the taller black kids. Yeah. But and, to be
0: fair, a Japanese man was the first to integrate the NBA.
1: Right, exactly. So, exactly.
0: like, they could have remembered. Yeah, but and
1: but th- that's what I mean is like I think the the stories of these people who break these boundaries will help to fight those stereotypes and make it so that the the uh, infrastructure is a little bit more neutral or yeah. uh, willing willing to at least see how you play right and let your results speak for themselves right. uh, rather than just judging based on what the stereotype would be so i think yeah it's 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 progress i i do feel like there's a movement there's a little bit of a movement start you know starting with uh, jeremy lin and uh, and others and and now you have um you have a number of, of athletes doing well
0: We at least have baseball. Japanese can claim as much space as the Dominicans. Well, maybe not entirely (laughs) here in the United States, but in terms of immigrants who come to America to play baseball, Mm -hmm. Dominicans and Japanese. The
1: the the Japanese have represented very well as uh, as baseball um, uh, imports, and that has been a that was a huge point of pride for me. You Mm -hmm. know, growing up, I was a big baseball fan, and uh, you know, still to this day, I was I was literally just like. Googling the stats of uh, Shohei Otani is one of my favorites, because I just I, I'm really not that involved in the sport anymore. But like okay. just to just to check how he's doing and just to send some good vibes. And yeah. it just I don't know. It's I guess it's irrational, but it's also it's also just um, it's fun. And and it helps me feel yeah. like there's you know progress being made towards something that I want. I I
0: will say kind of jumping off of what you said about about patriotism, like my my connection to Americanness only happens when I'm not in America. (laughs) Um, It's a very weird thing, because because I look the way that I look, I don't find myself often in places where people think like, oh, you must be an American. I often get asked if I speak English, which is weird because I don't look super duper foreign, you know, in general. Like I.
1: You get asked if you speak English here.
0: I've been asked in, if I've I've been asked oh if God. I speak English here. I've been but I mostly get asked if I speak Spanish, which is like, okay, fine, when my hair right. is different and we're going to talk about hair too. Yes. Uh, when, yes. When my <laughs> hair was is longer and curlier, I get asked if I speak Spanish more often or people just speak Spanish to me. Yes, um, yes. Things like that. But when I'm in England or if I'm in Canada or, or something sure. like that, the the Oh, you're American and all these assumptions. Like then, then it's the time where I'm like, Oh, no, no, no. That's not air all the Americans. Like I find myself in other countries having to say that thing, that stereotype you're talking about, that's only the white ones. Or, you know, like something <laughs> that's really broad and terrible to say because, <laughs> because they don't have the same thing that we have here in the States. Like even, mm. even in the UK where, well, let's, let's, let's specifically like bring it down. Even in London, London is an extremely diverse place. Of
1: course, of course. But
0: if I walk up as an American and I'm next to my – British cousin who's fully white, fully British. And we say we're cousins and they don't understand how that's humanly possible. (laughs) Um, They're like, but you're American, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, so you, and then it's just fill in the blank of all these weird American stereotypes that I didn't even realize other countries had about us. And then I would try to say, no, that's mostly like the white population or the rich white population or the poor white population or, you know, stuff like that. Or, and and I would see these things of just like even in the UK they were like but you're all the same right like we're all mm. the same you're all the same right right it's right not right. something that you can really right. easily explain because it's a different kind of homogeneity over there it's still very homogeneous but they have pockets of like almost forced diversity that they're not
1: yeah they're not used that's to. true that's true um, if, you drive, if you drive if you drive a spread uh, right if you drive a hundred miles out of London you're gonna see almost it's, all white people
0: yeah and if you are a brown mixed <laughs> uk you know person living anywhere in the uk everybody will know mm, like everybody mm. will know i've had guests on the show right. who live in like small towns in in wales or small towns in scotland and they're like oh i know so and so that's the that's the black one and it'll just be that they're mixed right, but right they, and right. they know who their grandmother is or they know who their mother is but they're just the, the right. black guy from the village. Right. Like right. literally right. that's how it is. So they Wild. don't have what we have here. Cause even in yeah. our rural places, we might have some. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, what, yeah, what I, what I love about the idea of this is that, um, if you are asked to picture what an American looks like, good luck.
0: <laughs> right.
1: There is no, what an American looks like because even, even white, white people aren't the majority here anymore but they believe that they are or they might some might not like that they are um and so it i i see this a lot with the soccer team because when when our soccer team plays against let's say uh ghana Mm -hmm. the difference in the amount of diversity on each team is incredibly stark right and and it that's not that that's a bad thing but it's, Ghana, it's they're most likely
0: going to be entirely black and they're, brown
1: Yeah, they're – they're, yes, exactly. Or if we play against Iceland, same deal. Or if we play <laughs> against China, same deal. Mm-hmm. Where There's really only like a handful of teams that have anything close to the amount of diversity that we do. Where on any given lineup, we've got, you know, a Japanese player, three uh, Latin American players, um, several black players, a couple white players, and we've, we've had, uh, even, even going into like different faiths, we have Muslims, Christians, and Jews, right, right, we have, we've had, um, there was one, uh, gay player actually for who played, uh, substantial minutes for the national team, uh, who later came out and his name is Robbie Rogers and he's a, a really uh, amazing groundbreaking person. So the the team has always um, kind of forced, I think, the the uh, sports public to acknowledge the diversity of American society, because it is, you know, in in the best of circumstances, it's a meritocracy, Mm -hmm. and you see that that in a true meritocracy, we produce mixed uh, groups. That that the the very top level of this sport here is a mixed group. And that's that's very powerful and meaningful to me, and something that I I always carry a lot of pride about when I watch our teams play on on TV.
0: That's cool. I, it's interesting to see it from a sports perspective because I don't watch a lot of.
1: Well, sports. what what's amazing about it is that it's a it's a way to bridge cultures. It's mm-hmm. something that uh, that allows you to you know I, I um, in my job I work with a fair amount of people internationally, and it's one of the first questions I always ask is you know what's your soccer game. You know, what's your, what's your team? What are you into? Because, pe- you know, more often than not people have something that they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, you know, because I'm a, I'm a longtime fan, you know, I can talk to you about soccer in any country pretty much. And I, I know something. That. And oh. so, so I, have been able to make some, some connections that way, uh, that has been really, really fun and, and fulfilling. And it's, so, you know, I, I think, uh, I don't know, there's some parallel to, 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 uh, talking about race and talking about mixedness and stuff. It's just like there's the, the you get the door open and, yeah. and, you know, relationships start and then you can really start a dialogue that can be really fruitful.
0: We've had some athletes on the show, but this is the most like using the sport to talk about race and diversity that I've had on here, which is really interesting. It, it, it does kind of make me want to pay a little bit more attention to that <laughs> element of it uh, because, yeah. you know, unfortunately, well, let's say Japan, for instance, any mixed Japanese athlete will be famous because they're not Japanese, of right? Of course, of course. Whereas yeah. here in the States, they'll be looked at as Black Japanese Naomi Osaka, you know, like that kind of thing. Like, yes, it'll be, yes. it'll be a, it'll always be a part of her story here. Right. Um, Instead of her just being a really great tennis player, it is, she is Haitian and Japanese and she's from Japan, but she's talking a lot about American politics and that's part of her story. Um, Where in Japan, I think a bigger part of her story is that she's not Japanese enough, Um, Mm. which I think is Mm a thing that we deal with also as mixed Japanese, which is why I think it's also really interesting that because you grew up hanging out in Chinatown, you got to be Asian versus being Japanese. And I don't I'm only now dealing with Asian acceptance because I've been trying to be Japanese for so long and Japanese tend to stick if they're going to be around other Asians, they're going to be around other Japanese, but they're going to mm-hmm. assimilate to the dominant culture. And so mm-hmm. like, I find myself in a lot of positions where I'm around Japanese in a Japanese neighborhood, like where I live here in West LA. And yet everybody is amerika gene. We just stay with all of our restaurants in one neighborhood, <laughs> you know, like that, that's the extent of what we're doing, what we do here when we leave Japan.
1: Mm, right. right. And so it's I, really I, interesting. Yeah, yeah. You're Asian. Yeah, I was always just Asian. Well, let's
0: let's, let's kind of use this to talk a little bit about the Asian hair thing.
1: So. Yes, okay, I have a perfect story for this, okay? Yeah. So, um I it's about my hair. So I I had long hair like I have like covid hair right now. The yeah, the, the listeners uh, can't can't see so the glory of this who covid can't hair see but. it.
0: If you're into Japanese like teen mags, like pop mags, <laughs> Ty has full on like Hot Japanese boy magazine hair. Woo! Thank you. How <laughs>
1: flattering. Oh my goodness.
0: I don't know how else to describe it. Right,
1: right now it's it's got it's kind of like a Timothy Chalamet uh, yeah, flop. Yeah, it's got that
0: that that's flop going on. thing. But that would be anyway, super sticky in uh in Japanese. <laughs>
1: that is a, that is yeah. an honor for you to say. Uh so <laughs> when I was in high school, I had like the, the full like lion's mane. Uh, anime hair like dragon ball z length hair sure and uh i had that like you know freshman through junior year and then the summer of junior year before becoming a senior i just decided like on the spur of the moment to just cut the whole fucking thing off (laughs) and i don't know why uh, i did this and i also don't know why the next thing i did was walk to chinatown to get this done i don't (laughs) I don't know the origin of this, but there was something in me that was like that that wanted to be in an Asian uh, barbershop sure. or in an, 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 an Asian place. So I did this. I went to, you know, under the Manhattan Bridge and paid uh, five bucks for a, a haircut. And the the lady who I could not communicate with, she like cut my hair. And I kept saying like, no, all the hair needs to go.
0: <laughs> and she
1: sense. was like, OK. And she like cut it like, you know, two inches. and I was like no 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 all the hair like take it all off and it took three tries to get her to get all the hair off and I was left with just this like this like it's it's kind of like a Chinese kid New York look
0: that's what I'm thinking.
1: yeah the the like basically bald uh young Asian kid walking around in New York and I felt like I was walking around Chinatown after that and it was like I I felt so good. I just felt so like it was like a combination of like accepted and 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 excited about the future mm. as a as a haircut can do to you. It can, you know. And I I I, I still remember like the feeling of it in my in my uh, head. You know, feeling like that that the, the freedom <laughs> of this. And I think and and there's always been something about the hair because. Asian hair is different
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and hard for white people to cut.
0: <laughs> it is. It's, it's actually very similar to, I mean, it's not as similar in texture and technique to cut as black hair, but it's as cumbersome for a white person who's trained in white cosmetology schools.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, so I've had a lot of trouble because I, you know what it was? Okay, I just figured this out because I, okay, this is like therapy right now. Thank you very much, Charmaine. <laughs> um, so like previous to that, I had always worn a hat because my hair was always like poking up. Like whenever I had short hair, it was always poking
0: Spikiness, up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I never liked it. So I always kind of wanted it to go down. So I was always wearing a hat. And I think that's what it was. I was like, I don't, I don't need to change anything. Like the way I am right now is exactly what I want. Yeah. You know? Nice. Uh
0: Wow. So I yeah, can't
1: believe I, I figured so, that out. So I'm going through
0: a whole hair thing too. Yes,
1: I want I want to hear your story because you have black hair and Asian hair, mm-hmm. and so what have you run? What amazing challenges have you run into so, <laughs> in it, your it, life? My hair
0: has changed a bunch throughout my life, and partly because my my Japanese my half Japanese half white mom became a black hairstylist, so she only does black hair. But she always Amazing. did my hair. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a, if if my parents got to be what the other parent was, I would still be mixed the same way that I am. But <laughs> my mom like was very much part of black culture, even though she's Japanese and white. And my dad is a little bit teetering on the white side more than my mom was. So it's a whole thing. But yeah, um, so when I was younger, she didn't, my hair, I was very Japanese when I was born. I looked Japanese. I had that, that, tuft of long like that one long tuft of hair where no other hair existed i had that that for a long time and then it finally grew out and my mom decided when i was like a babe like a baby like one or two years old like let's give it a perm (laughs) so she's black (laughs) um so it all all fell out and my texture has so many times because my mom has experimented on me thinking that my hair was as texture wise i could take what black hair could take right and and so predominantly my hair has been bone straight my predominantly my hair has been very japanese like 1a hair very very fine but a lot of it it's heavy as hell and and that's been the thing and then i started to get to be like 33 34 and my The lower part of my hair, from like here down, started to curl, and that didn't happen before. Like that took until my thirties, and it was so weird because it grows out of my hair Asian, but then it can't it goes down to here and becomes black.
1: Your hair is mixed.
0: Yeah, my hair is mixed. I have a half row. Any place
1: that's incredible.
0: It's it's so weird. If I live in a if I go to a place that has humidity, my top of my hair is flat to my head, and the bottom puffs up like a half row. So I have like an actual half row. So as part of my hair journey. I'm thinking of myself as more of a mixed black kid in this case. I'm like, I'm gonna shave my head. I'm gonna go full on African woman warrior hair. I'm just gonna shave it it all off, and it's gonna be part of my black ass story. I did not know that when I shaved my head, I was going to become an Asian boy. (laughs) 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 But at the same time, that I'm getting Asian American acknowledgement or acceptance, both like in in like meat space, but also like with the right. Asian American Podcasters association that, that we met through and people actually like telling me you're one of us, like you're Asian too, just cause you're mixed. It doesn't mean you're not Asian. Uh, I, I've never gotten that most of my life. I've always been told I'm because I'm black, black dominated all of the other things. Uh, so I'm going through all this, like emotions related to Asian um, acceptance. And then my hair starts to grow out because I'm finally ready to like grow my hair out and it spikes it's inflexible. It won't, style. It's just, and then someone goes, you know what? When I saw pictures of you before, I was like, Oh yeah, that's a mixed black girl. And then she said, but then you shaved your head. And I'm like, Oh, that's an Asian person. And I've been told I have the Asian boy haircut so many times since I've shaved my head and I'm growing my hair back out right now, which is why it's going through what it's going through. And I'm just like, I didn't know that I had to shave my head. I didn't know that my black hair journey was going to turn into an Asian hair journey. I did not realize that that was going to happen
1: funny. Yeah. So right and now I
0: fully have Asian hair. I, there's no hint of the, of
1: black <laughs> mixed
0: hair at all. It's fully Asian. I'll let you know in like six months. if.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. I'll, 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 I'll keep an eye on Insta. <laughs>
0: I'll be like, so uh, hair's black again. Yeah. So
1: I, I wanted to tell you that, you know, I listened to uh, a bunch of your recent episodes talking about that and, and heard you talk about that in the award show. Um, and I found that very powerful because I I really hadn't uh, hadn't heard much from mixed black and Asian people about the challenges of that particular mix of identity, and that must have been very difficult. And the, what you said about like yeah. feeling always feeling like you could fit in more easily in black spaces, but that when it came came to being Asian, it was it was more difficult. That that's uh, heartbreaking. So,
0: yeah. I get. Je- I'm not jealous. It's a wrong way. There's got to be a word for when you're sort of jealous of a person, but in a way that you're happy for them at the same time. I don't think envy.
1: The, the Germans that. have a word, I'm sure, for that. Yeah. Maybe,
0: probably, but like, I I get jealous when I hear other mixed Asian be like, "Oh yeah, they totally let me be Asian," and I'm like, "How? What did you do? Like, what is the thing?" But also, I'm so stoked for you that that is the experience.
1: <laughs> well, the the secret is whiteness, <laughs> <because> <laughs> that sucks. So. The uh, the, the I I mean it's just my my yeah, take on my it but like my theory. right my my theory is that there's like a hierarchy of difference mm-hmm. and blackness is the the Lower. the worst difference
0: yeah. yeah
1: and so you know me me being mixed um, uh, white and and Japanese I get I get categorized into the lowest rung of difference which is Japanese
0: right yeah right
1: and and that's that's the tragedy of it. Uh, but I think that, like what you said, it inspires me to remember to be, you know, vocal with people who share that identity about their Asianness, mm-hmm. and to encourage, you know, and and uplift them in that journey. Because it's easy to kind of forget that other people might not feel comfortable right. or feel accepted, even if you do accept them. You know, yeah. you you might not even think about it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'd appreciate you just being so honest about that because I think it's uh, something that we can all remember and do better at
0: in the Asian community. It's weird to have a different access than my own mother. You know, like my mother's biracial. she's, She's Japanese and white. And so she could tell our Japanese family that she was Japanese or white. Like and they knew my grand, my white grandfather and stuff like that. Um, and so my grandparents got divorced. Like that was a thing. But when I came around it was don't tell the family. Don't tell the family that you're part black. So I had to call my dad American, which meant right. nothing to me. But to right, them right. meant white. But they couldn't understand why we were so brown. So they thought we were Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: they couldn't cousin, put two and two together there, went, huh?
0: They're like brown wow, so confused. <laughs> Yeah, they thought we were Mexican. So it's just weird to have this weird proximity to my Japaneseness, and that like my Japanese grandmother is where all of my Japaneseness comes from. Like mm, I lived mm. in her house, I ate her food, I speak kinda, you know, like that kind of stuff. But then she's also the person who was my block to the rest of the family to be able to tell them what I was. Um, mm-hmm. Now that the cousins know. And, um, well, we had to wait till my great grandparents died, but once, <laughs> uh, but once the, my great grandparents oh died, we told everybody, we started to tell the cousins. So I'm sure by now it has made its way through to Hawaii and Japan and my family, everybody, I'm sure everybody knows now. Um, yeah. but yeah, for the longest it was, it was that big secret. And yeah, you know, the only ones that are going to talk about it are the kids that were raised in America. <laughs> the ones that
1: I, That's so tragic to hear. And, uh, I'm sorry. That's, that's very difficult. Um, I'm
0: glad to get a chance to meet other mixed Japanese in particular. It's great to meet mixed people in general, but with mixed Japanese, it's that lack of needing to explain the context of like this thing that we feel about our Japanese-ness is actually doing a lot. I think.
1: Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I I think I, I, likewise on my side, um, you know, going through your show and and really thinking through this has opened up a lot of things for me Mm. that have been new. And I it's especially like in the COVID era, like,
0: yeah,
1: I think I don't interact with human beings very frequently. So I'm kind of forgetting uh, about, you know, really thinking about my identity, but but it is very, very important and powerful in the way that we look at ourselves. And I think a healthy, a healthy amount of introspection is important, but a healthy dialogue is also very important. Because, the The way that race is treated in our like you know national conversation is is totally screwed up to me, and that it 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 further others people who feel othered because it makes you feel like discussing your race is is in and of itself uh, verboten, right, uh, like exactly. you mentioned with the with the great grandparents, and that's just um, that's that's that is a trauma uh, yeah. to, to go through. So I was going to ask you, uh, being a quarter Japanese, my kids are a quarter Japanese I was I'm married ask you to a white parenting. lady. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, so I am still figuring out, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to figure it out. They're going to figure out what their, their sort of, um, you know, uh, feelings of Japanese-ness or Asian-ness are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's what, one funny thing is like in, in terms of, uh, phenotype, my daughter is much more white, so I think she uh, people wouldn't even suspect that she was Asian if she didn't have an Asian last name. Whereas my son looks a lot like me. Okay. So, so we kind of have like an Asian kid and a white kid.
0: have Different identities, yeah. It's so wild.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I, I'm, I'm really into, even though I don't want kids myself, I'm really into parenting mixed kids right now. Like I'm into what, what we're supposed to do, given like what I lacked. Like even though I have two biracial parents. They're from a generation that didn't talk about anything, so we didn't talk much about. It. We talked about racism more than we talked about race or our or even our identity. So I'm really into like how people are doing dealing with their their mixed kids and and especially multi generational mixes. I think access is the biggest thing. Letting them talk about it if they get bullied, let them say it all. You know, mm, like mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then also like reminding them that they come from all of these cool things like whatever your white culture is and whatever your partner's white culture is right you know if you have access to it letting them know that that thing is there and this is cool thing that you're a part of but it's like from far away you know
1: yeah that's ago. right that's right um,
0: because that was something, I will say one of my aunts did this. My my mom's youngest sister basically kind of rescued me from my parents when I was 15. And after that, she would take me to museums or she would take me to all these different things. And she, so we went to a place that had something that was related to us in some way, shape or form. She would, she would validate that this is from us. This thing is from us. We would go to, it turns out, we don't really have Irish blood, and is what we thought we did because. of <laughs> yeah. But um, we went to all the Irish festivals. Like we went to the nice, German nice. stuff, we, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Um, and even though she was the Japanese, mixed Japanese side, she wanted us to have access to whiteness that wasn't American because mm-hmm, of how mm-hmm. toxic we felt our experience was where we were at. And we got to separate that from our grandfather because even though he wasn't around to, for us anymore, he had he had left. Like we got to say, like we're still of this thing. And I feel like yeah. because of that, I'm I'm far more comfortable talking about ethnicity and culture and all that kind of stuff. But for other kids, people that are growing up, if they're feeling Japanese today, you are the most Japanese kid you can be. They're feeling white today. All right, let's get into it. Like, what is it? Is it your look or is it how people treat you or is it more comfortable?
1: Right, right, um, right, right. So
0: I think really opening up this, it'll be really interesting watching your them grow up with them having two different phenotypes because I have a friend, my my. Host, my co-host on blurred comics he's also black white right, gray racial but he his kids are are black white mexican one looks uh-huh. white blonde hair one looks black curly hair curly black hair the white one is Super black. <laughs> like the one that looks <laughs> that looks white is super black. And um the other one is still finding herself. And she's like more leaning into the, the whole mixedness. Like, you know, she's she's more right. into the whole picture. So it'll right, be right, interesting right. to see like as you're validating whatever their thing is. And even talking yeah. about what your thing is. Cause yeah. I think that was yeah. another thing. Absolutely. If my parents had talked about that, it might have been a little bit easier for me to figure out how right. to talk to them about my deals.
1: Right, 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 yeah, I think it's
0: compartmentalized.
1: right, right. It's easy to develop uh, shame or um, feelings of unwantedness around things that aren't discussed. yeah, you know and 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 things that aren't ever just mentioned as typical, you know, so if if you if you find out that you're gay and you've never had any sort of conversation about anything other than hetero, You know, love and attraction. Then (laughs) you're going to feel, yeah. You're going to have you're going to have uh, a an inner dialogue, right? About you're you're the the commentary isn't going to go away. It's just uninformed, Um, right? Yeah. So it's that'll
0: be good for your kids if you if you let them see you thinking about it.
1: Right. Exactly. Be more comfortable
0: coming to you when it's right which right, I think right, is right. the most important thing is when it's tough. It's great if they come to you when it's awesome. Like if they take like taiko drum classes or whatever <laughs> um and then they're like I'm you know even though I look white I'm like the dopest taiko drummer. You know, like, but right, great when right, it's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. But when it's bad, if you're the person that they run to and on the way they're having a bad mixed day and you let them feel it, I think like that's the thing i craved and i didn't know i craved it and still until i was older and i just caught myself saying man i wish my parents had mm, dot dot mm. dot and mm-hmm. that's when i started to pay more attention to like what is it like to parent mix mm. mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: you know growing up i was able to i was very fortunate to have access to a lot of spaces that were very positive in terms of talking about race
0: yeah
1: uh so i i felt very blessed by that and uh and hope to give that to my kids. And one, one thing you mentioned that I think is really, um, really important that I'm trying to figure out is how to impart a white ethnicity as something distinct and with specific, um, yeah. specific detail, you know, that no you're white, not just, white is. I barely know, you know, I know, I know that I know the, um, well, okay. So I know that, on my mother's side, mainly an Irish and Scottish okay. mix. And I think my mother knows more than me,
0: okay. but
1: I also believe that these aspects of history are very complicated and I wouldn't be surprised if I had any kind of origin kind of of uh, in, in my, in my family tree. And I, I don't know, have you seen this show uh, finding your roots with yes, Henry Louis Gates? Yes. It's fucking awesome. It's amazing. And, and, I would love to if they if the companies that analyzed your DNA didn't also sell your DNA to you know third parties, I would totally do that because I would really like to to understand that a little bit better. And I feel like giving you know white kids a healthy sense of white ethnicity is important in not continuing the narrative that race is something that
0: sure.
1: uh, non-white people have.
0: The reason why I ask if you know where it's from, because I think that is exactly what you're saying. If you can tell the story of the, the immigration story, even if it's not like your exact, you know, ancestors, right? Just in general, if we come from, so on my mom's side, her whiteness is they've been here in the state and since before this was the United States, they've been here since the 1700s. So they are Welsh, Irish or Welsh, Scottish. And yeah, English yeah, mixed yeah. whatever, right? And then my my dad's whiteness is straight up England, and you know England and Wales and Wales, like hundred percent. That's what that's what they are. They are some British ass people. <laughs> so I have two different kinds <laughs> of stories. I have yeah. an old immigrant story that is coming here to escape something right. bad where right. they were at, and they were very poor. And that's how they got here. And then I have an immigrant story where like a black man from America went to England and married a white lady and brought her here. And so she has a very like I'm I'm hoity toity kind of whiteness. (laughs) She's the kind of white immigrant that says like immigrants should speak English. I speak English. Why don't they speak English? Right. So if you can tell your kids a story, if you can pinpoint roughly when they got here, you can historically you can kind of pinpoint the immigrant story that will help them realize that whatever their whiteness is, is not American itself. Like, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. they don't have to be like, this is my country. Any of you that are different from
1: me. me. Mm, right, right, right. So if you show remembering that, like, the immigration the hardships yeah. from
0: white, from the white places they're from are the reason why they're here.
1: That's right. Because That's right. look
0: at, like black folks are Tran, you know, our transition onto this land is enslavement 400 years ago. White people were coming here 400 years ago, too. There's no reason why we don't know why they came here. We know why the Africans were here. What were the white people doing? How'd they get here? So if you can, right. you, know, te- you know, if you put it in that same context of like the other immigrants that are coming through. Everybody was coming here. The only people that didn't come here voluntarily for the most part was the Africans, but most of the white people came here voluntarily. And so that will help like demystify whiteness. That's
1: right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's all about just identifying that, uh, there is no normal Mm -hmm. that, and, and so therefore we are all normal Mm -hmm. and, and we, we don't need to feel like we have to fit into a particular box. And I think mixedness is a, is a great, uh, is a great vector to, yeah. to, be, to, to reckon with that right. um, because, because we don't fit a box and, and uh,
0: it's special. Yeah. So we're getting close to the end and I like to ask all of my guests, what do you love most about being mixed?
1: So what I really love about being mixed is the opportunity to see different cultures firsthand and to feel like, to, to, in my case, I feel lucky to have felt that I belong in, in both of my cultures uh, growing up and I feel like that's given me the ability to uh, to move easily throughout the world and it feels kind of like a superpower you know yeah. that I can go into I can go into Chinatown and be Asian and then I can I can walk around the rest of New York City and just just be another guy <laughs> and um and and so I I've, I've always felt as I mentioned that uh, mixedness is a source of abundance, not a not a source of uh, of, of limitation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I've I've always felt that. So I, I think, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that. It's it at it's, that. it's it's been it's been a a positive experience for me. And I remember I I recognize fully that it's not for many. Mm-hmm. And um, so I I'm very grateful for that. Uh, and I hope that, you know, through, you know, having conversations like this and promoting the work that people like you are doing, that we can destigmatize and make life easier for, for people who have, uh, who have these experiences because it shouldn't be that way. And everyone's mixed in some way, uh, you go back far enough. And and so we, we all need to recognize the complexity of, of each other's identities and, and avoid, you know, uh, othering anyone because of their, uh, they're the, because they don't fit that particular um, mold.
0: Right. Why don't you let everybody know how to find your show, your business?
1: Thank you. So my business is called Cantilever. We're at cantilever.co and we make great websites. And my podcast is called We the Peeps and we cover the U.S. men's national team, the women's national team and other topics related to U.S. soccer. And We're at wtppod.com.
0: Thank you again, Kojimoto-san for coming to <laughs> for coming to the show. I really appreciate it. I also I I don't know if you realize this, but when we were on the award show and I had ma- made mention of, you know, my issues with Asian acceptance and and feeling not Asian enough because I was mixed, you were actually the first responder. <laughs> to say, like, I mix Japanese too, like, and, and, you know, um, so I, you stood out for me amongst the, <laughs> you know, I've been in contact with some of the other people that also commented, but I don't know if you realized that you were the first commenter. I,
1: I didn't realize that, but it, <laughs> it goes to show the enthusiasm there is around this topic. Right. And, 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 you know, good on you for promoting it. I think it's yeah. very important and, and great that people can listen to this and feel like, you know, they're normal. Which they are.
0: Thank you so much. I really appreciate
1: it. Thank you. Yeah, this was awesome.
0: Militantly Mixed is a main Hustle Media podcast. Produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan The One. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed.